So the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Listen, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. The Voice of God, Literally I was called to do this. I, I didn't want to do this reading necessarily. I, was a, I had a very good voiceover business going, and the Bibles consumed me. I've been doing Bibles for 40 years now, and I just finished the last one. And I'm 76 years old. But I was called to do this, and I'm, I'm so grateful. From Religion News Service, this is Beliefs. I'm Bill Baker. When you hear a recording of the Bible, it's likely one by Stephen Johnston, who has narrated and sold more translations of the Bible than any other person in history. Stephen Johnson joins beliefs from his home in Southern California. Stephen, welcome to Beliefs. Well, thanks, Bill. I've been looking forward to it. It's good to talk to you, and I've heard your podcast and enjoyed them. Now, I'm very curious, uh, of course, and also I have to say, because I've been in the broadcasting and television business for a long time, very jealous. How did, how did this fabulous career of yours start? Well, it's funny. I, I, I joined the Army during the Vietnam War in 66, and I really didn't want to go to Vietnam. So I signed up for four years to go to Germany, and I became an announcer on the American Forces Network over there and spent three years announcing. I'd never been on the radio before, but I, I shouldn't admit this as a good Christian, but I lied to get on AFN. And because my voice was what it is, they thought I had been on the radio. So I got on there. That's when it started, 66. And when I got back here, I, I got my degree in radio and television, and then I... Uh, started doing DJ work and found that voiceover work was much more pleasurable and much more money-making. So then how did you slip into the, into the, into the world of reading the Bible? Was it, was it originally a volunteer thing and then it became, I guess, a business? Well, I, had an, I started an advertising agency after I quit my job as a DJ. And, uh, uh, again, I'd had no experience in advertising, but I started one anyway. My partner, whom I knew from school, from 17 years old, was an artist, so we just started an advertising agency. We got to know a guy who started a small Christian magazine. Uh, he asked me one day, because this at this particular time, this 1972, uh, cassettes had just come in. And they were revolutionary from a standpoint of people listening to audio. Prior to that, it was eight tracks, you know. So this this young man happened to know somebody who had a cassette factory. And he asked me, he said, would you do the New Testament for the Calvary Chapel so we have it on audio? And I thought, well, yeah, sure, that'd be great. Let's do it. So uh, that's 17 hours worth of recording. And uh, it was the King James Version, which is a challenge all by itself. But that's how I started that, because once that was done, the man who owned the cassette factory became so excited. He was good friends with Zondervan Publishing, and Mr. Zondervan at that time. And they just put out the NIV in 1976. 
So um, he asked me, he said, would you want to do the audio? And I said, sure. So we did that and it sold like hotcakes. So they came back to me and they said, well, let's do the King James version. And I said, well, wait a minute. Now, the NIV is so beautiful. And what I've read, it lends itself to a radio script, which is my at my heart. I always wanted to be in radio uh, as a, an, a, an actor, radio programs. They always turned me on. This, um, so I did a Bible for them, the NIV, dramatized. And I used, um, I hired actors from a local repertory. We happened to be advertising for the repertory. And we hired about six or seven actors. And we went in and did it just chronologically. Stood in there. It took us about three months of bringing them in uh, at times. And the six actors did all the voices. Because uh, the Bible is dialogue-wise about... Hmm, 30%, 40% dialogue. And so it lends itself to, to, to uh, dramatization. We use sound effects and, and music and, uh, and just did it like an old radio program with Foley and, and uh, used vinyl records with music. It was a tremendous effort. It took us a year and a half to complete uh, the 72 hours for the dramatized version. Is that what it takes to read the Bible, 72 hours? I mean, is that, or listen to the Bible complete, or is it longer when you do the dramatized No, version? it's 72, at least 72 hours of finished version. I just completed the NET, the New English Translation, and that worked out to about 74 hours. It just depends on the translation, but um, uh, yeah, about 72 hours of finished. And it takes me, a dramatized version, about six hours per finished one hour. Well, that's, you know, pretty amazing. And you say you've done mul multiple um, uh, translations of the Bible, all the different versions, I assume, the Catholic, the Protestant, and I even see some uh, Jewish versions, uh, perhaps only the Old Testament, but there may be a Jewish New Testament version. Um, uh, so how many different kinds of versions have you recorded? Well, if I go through the NIV, the King James, the New King James, the Tyndale NLT Bible, the um, NASB, the New American Standard Bible, the New Revised Standard Version, both Catholic and Protestant, and I've done the Message, which has a, um, a contemporary slant to it that is interesting. Would you give me an example? The miracle at Cana, the wedding at Cana, when the uh, Jesus' mother is realizing that they're running out of wine at a wedding party, and she goes up to Jesus, and she says to him, uh, we've run out of wine. And uh, she asks him to, um, to do something about it. And he says to her in this message version, now I'll give you the regular version if I can remember it, but the message version says, mother, don't push me. <laughs> I, I just like that kind of humanization of, of Jesus as compared to some of the, like a King James, which, mother, it's not my hour yet. And, you know, I have to be, I'm not, uh, I'm not even close to a theologian on this stuff. I, I'm not schooled in the Bible. I'm just read it. And, uh, and so it, 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 I take it from a lay standpoint. I don't see a heck of a lot of difference between the versions except when it comes to studying the Bible, that is, 
literally being in school and studying the Bible because it's a translation of Aramaic, Hebrew, and um, Greek. So when you get that, then you've got words that semantically are different. But that's really the differences between the Bible. This Net Bible I just did, though, the New English Translation, is a superb Greek, Greek. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. translation as far as I'm concerned. It gives you so many footnotes that you can't you can't miss what's going on in any language. So it's a it's a beautifully scholarly done Bible, and I enjoyed reading it. Well, I um, uh, on occasion uh, do biblical readings at our church, you know, just short ones uh, around the services. And uh, what always trips me up are the pronunciations. How do you deal with that? And, you know, which pronunciations do you use? And at any rate, it drives me crazy because I'm always embarrassed when I know I'm mispronouncing things. Well, you know, what's funny. I, I have that conversation with my own pastor a lot, but I've, I've been questioned by people. People often criticize me on what I do. And the, for instance, the name Naphtali. Most people call it Naphtali, but with my, I have a pronunciation book. It's called That's Easy for You to Say by Murray Severance. <laughs> it's a quick guide to pronouncing Bible names, and he's very thorough in here. Quick to say, though, that it doesn't matter if you make a mistake on the name. The name is not important from the standpoint of the message being given. But uh, no, I follow his rules here. Um, had an argument with my, not an argument, but a conversation with my pastor about the name. A man is, um, by Elisha in the Bible in the Old Testament, cures a man, a very, um, a military man named Naaman uh, of leprosy. And so my pastor said, Naaman. And I said, well, you know, the first pronunciation is Naaman. And so he apologized. And, but the, the, the fact is, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, you never have to worry about that, really. I don't think so. I sit there and listen to people read the scripture, though, and I I can't help but kind of laugh sometimes at the difficulty people have with the names. But then that's me. They're they're doing their best, so it's 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 interesting. Well, you make me feel a little bit better when I uh, when I go and mispronounce all these things. Now, you've you've of course read the Bible. You said. Well, first, how many, uh, how how many people or I have listener, how many people have purchased uh, the Bibles that you have read? Is it in the? I assume many millions, correct? Well, yeah, I I, I asked my one of my publishers, Hendrickson Publishing, because they're owned by ChristianBook.com, where all my products mm-hmm. are available, and and uh, it's uh, Hendrickson, the publisher there, said that well. I've only been with them for 20 years out of the times that I've been recording, but he estimated about 80 million cassettes, CDs, DVD Bibles, and uh, MP3 player Bibles just with them. And I worked with Zondervan, I worked with uh, uh, Tyndale, I worked with Thomas Nelson, and... uh, so I've, I've worked with almost every religious publisher. So they have all my products out there. So it's a hundred million at least have been sold. And I'm actually, I've got one recording of the new King James Bible. It's on a um, on a solar powered 
MP3 player that they're giving away in Africa to people <clears throat> where there's no wow. electricity. It's a pleasure actually mm -hmm. to be doing that kind of mission for them. Now, I assume that the uh, only Bible reading you do is in English. You don't do it in any other language, I assume. No. As a matter of fact, I contacted a Jewish publisher asking them if I could do the the uh, the English version of the Old Testament for the Jews. And they said, no, we'd have way too much problem. And here's, we come back to what we were talking about. I can't pronounce, pronounce all those Jewish names correctly according to them and uh, so they said no we'd rather have a, a jewish announcer do it it'd be he's much more comfortable with the reading so they didn't let me do that but i was approached by the saudi arabian government and uh they we got right up to the point of almost producing the quran and i realized that maybe i ought not do the quran given the fact that my audience um is Christian, and many are, are evangelical Christians, and I didn't want to offend anybody in that respect. So it didn't work out, but it was kind of interesting that they wanted to do an English version of the Koran. Oh, that is interesting. Now, um, although it makes it makes sense for them to want to do that, and, uh, sure. and I'm surprised nobody has done it yet. Probably somebody will. Now, what about you? Uh, uh, you? You say you're not a theologian or even a religion expert. You're a man of faith, but you're a person who's read the Bible many, 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 many times. Uh, has it had a profound effect on you? Or after you've read it 25 times, it's kind of pretty much wrote. What, where, where do you fit in that continuum? No, I am excited every time I get to the microphone to do the Bible. I, as a matter of fact, like you, I do a weekly reading for our website and our church, um, uh, and he follows the, uh, uh, the lectionary fairly closely. So I do a reading from the Old and New Testament on the website. I love it. I love it because I learn something new each time. The, the Bible is, if people could only realize, and so few people really read the Bible all the way through, uh, a lot, you know, many evangelistic people do, but you know, the general public doesn't. If they did, they would find stories rich in, uh, rich in drama, rich in love, rich in, in, in just history. And, and I love to read it each time. I do. Honestly do. And, you know, one of my favorite parts of the Bible is in the Old Testament with um, Joseph and his brothers. I, you know, if you've ever seen the play, Joseph and the Dreamcoat or something like mm -hmm. that. I can't remember what the name of the play is now. But the story of Joseph starting in chapter 37 of Genesis is just, uh, just a wonderful narrative, cohesive, and at the end fills you with knowledge about how the Hebrews began as a, as a religion. And also the morality of the story is so powerful and rich um, I don't. I won't go into the story totally now. If your listeners want, they should go to Genesis chapter thirty-seven. It's extremely interesting. Well, are, uh, is is that your favorite part of the Bible? I mean, you you obviously have some parts that you like or that inspire you more than others. Is that the big inspiration? Uh, yeah. You know, the New Testament, the the the, the flow of the Bible. Going with the Old Testament, which is three quarters or three times as long as the New Testament, 
Um, then going to the New Testament, it, it's as though you were going through a curtain, um, a curtain into clarity, if I can use that term. I, I'm not trying to, again, I'm not a theologian, but there's a clearness of speaking and, and, uh, and, uh, and teaching that comes through directly because Jesus was a teacher. The Old Testament, while it teaches, it isn't one person specifically talking. So I, uh, I, I, my favorite uh, readings, you know, I have to go back to the Old Testament again because I'm kind of romantic. I love Ruth. It is, of the two Bibles about women, um, Ruth is short, it's brief, four pages, maybe five pages long, but it is a love story that just rends your heart, and it's so beautiful, and it's a little sexy, too. I, I have to say that. Uh, it infers uh, sexiness, so I like that. And then Esther, of course, the lady who saves all of Judaism um, because she marries the king, Xerxes, the house of Wares, and uh, gets put in a position where she can save her people from being killed. That's a wonderful story. And again, cohesive and rich in its history. And, and the, the, um, the Jewish, I think it's coming up in March, the Jewish uh, tradition of Purim, P-U-R-I-M, which means uh, lottery, uh, was, was started because of the Book of Esther, because of Esther. So those, I, I like that historicity of the Bible a lot. I, that doesn't take away from the meditations I do on the New Testament. You know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And that's John, part the starting of John. You know, to read that again and again and to realize that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a part of, uh, I'm, I'm, I was called to do this. I I didn't want to do this reading necessarily. I was I had a very good voiceover business going, and the Bibles consumed me. I've been doing Bibles for forty years now, and I just finished the last one. And I'm seventy six years old, but I was called to do this, and I'm I'm so grateful. And one thing I might point out, you you know, reading the Bible. You mentioned at the beginning of this reading the Bible can be seen daunting. But the truth is, what I learned when I started the voiceover was that I needed to interpret the author's intent or the writer's intent. That was something I, I figured that was the only way I was going to get across what I was reading. And when it came to the Bible, I applied that, but I went, okay, which author, which writer? Uh, and uh, I decided that reading the Bible had two words to remember all the time when I read it, was to love and authority. Those two words I tried to keep in my brain. And always to love with a voice and always to be firm in reference to what you were saying, if that makes sense to you. Stephen, I'm also, after hundreds of millions of uh, recordings going out there that you've voiced, I'm sure you get reactions, uh, uh, and probably some very, very positive, and probably some not so positive, and then everything in between. I'd be interested in reactions, including maybe some that were pretty unusual. Well, yeah, I, I, 
I do get some people, what, what, what surprises me many times is I get people who say, his voice is too low, it's hard for me to listen to, or he sounds like a monotone. What? what? <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I've, I sometimes think that maybe some of my competitor voiceover guys are writing these things just to put me down, but uh, the majority of people are, are very kind and, 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 and like to listen to me. I, I have a kind of a soothing voice, I think, and uh, it, it lends itself to the Bible. I had one lady, I was on QVC many times selling my um, dramatized, pardon me, my um, DVD Bibles. I, I, I actually created the DVD Bible, which puts the scripture on screen and scrolls as I read. Oh, nice. But I, I was on television and a woman um, called in, as they do on C QVC, and, and said, hi, Mr. Johnston. Well, I love your DVD Bible. Uh, and I'll tell you, I put it on at night when I go to bed. And when I wake up in the morning, you're still talking. It's wonderful. <laughs> but nobody, you've, you haven't gotten any really uh, nasty criticism then. People are pretty nice, huh? No, actually, people are very nice. It, it, some people just say, "No, I, I can't listen to him. He's too got too low of a voice." That's that's the biggest criticism I've gotten. Mm. Somebody questioned whether I got an Emmy or not, and they called the Academy of Arts and Sciences and, and checked with them, and they couldn't find my name. So they they were telling everybody that if I didn't really win an Emmy, and so you know, okay, fine. But I've got my certificate, so I know I've got it. But that's that's the most criticism I get. Usually, the people don't criticize. Well, you must. Um, uh, do you have favorite Bible readers? Uh, I'd always thought uh, when I saw some of the names of the people that read uh, Bibles alongside of yours, I saw the name Alexander Scorby, who in our era, when when you and I were younger, he was the big announcer name. Uh, any, uh, are there, uh, do you have any favorites? I assume obviously you, you think well of yourself, I hope, but, uh, but of other people, uh, uh, any thoughts? I'm jealous of Scorby. I, I thought he was a fantastic announcer before I heard he did the Bible and, and I've listened to his Bible and it's just superb. I, I don't match up to him even in closeness. He had a way of reading that was just, you know, just enough drama to make it, um, feel like you were caught up in, in something that was very powerful. So that, so that Scorby's always done that for me. Uh, you know, um, I can't think of anybody else that I particularly like to listen to. So many times people will record the Bible and have a Southern accent, which I, I love Southern accents. They're great. But, uh, they, it, 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 when it becomes, a, a, when it's not a middle sound, a middle English sound, it bothers me. But that's my own personal situation. But no, other than Scorby, I don't have a favorite. Okay, good. Well, you, uh, you talk about uh, uh, middle English, uh, uh, American English, uh, I guess we'd call it. Uh, and uh, are you from the Midwest where most of that, uh, that uh, kind of non-accented American English comes from? Or uh, are you a native California? I came to California in 1949, so I'm basically a native Californian, but I practiced to be Middle English, Middle American as much as I could. I don't want to have an accent, and so I try to 
I practiced and practiced and practiced, believe me. Now, just let me picture this. Uh, uh, I'm in New York. You're in Southern California. We're talking together. Uh, what does your little studio look like? Are you sitting there uh, reading the Bible, looking out at the ocean, or are, are you looking at uh, soundproofing? Or, well, you know, what kind of a, a space are you in? I should be making up something, but I have to be honest with you. I'm in my bedroom. And I'm wearing shorts and a Hawaiian shirt and no shoes. And uh, it's the general way I record with the wonders that have happened in the audio business. Now, where I can have just a laptop, MacBook Pro, and uh, a light and a microphone and, uh, and Wi-Fi. And I've got everything I need to produce. I produce uh, commercials. I've done all of... Um, Ron Popeil's commercials, if you've ever heard of his commercials with the, with the rotisserie mm -hmm. and all of his other products on television. So I've done all those commercials, and I do them here at the laptop and send them to them, and they put them on video. Well, they all probably, uh, you probably get that work because they probably figure that there's an endorsement from uh, God along with whatever, <laughs> uh, whatever you're doing. Now, uh, uh, one, one last question, and it's a, it's a question that is troubling and perhaps worrisome. We've done a number of programs on this podcast about the serious research about the, the slowing of religion, all religion in America that there are fewer and fewer people going to church, all churches, temples, etc. Fewer people, uh, fewer uh, millennials uh, even really believing. Uh, and uh, has that had a profound effect on the, uh, on the, uh, on the uh, selling of uh, CDs, DVDs, downloads of, of the Bible that the business that you've been in for decades now. Yeah, there are two aspects to that that I can comment on. One uh, is that you, I, I do understand from what I've read and what you've said. I even heard one of your podcasts referencing that. But um, th that 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 populations are are diminishing in in, in Christian churches. But on the second side of that, from an audio standpoint, I. The, the business has changed because the methods of delivery have changed because most of my stuff now is being downloaded. I do have CDs and DVDs and, uh, and, and other products like that, MP3s. But I would say, let's see, 10 years ago, I was my royalties, and I do get royalties on my Bibles. My royalties were 90% more than they are now. So it, the business has gone down radically, uh, and it's unfortunate, but unfortunate for me. Um, I don't know about the volume of, of usage of audio. I was at my dentist the other day, and, and uh, I, he asked me what I did, and I told him, and he says, well, gee, I listen to audio going to work every day. Can I have one of your Bibles? And I gave him one of my Bibles, and, and he, he listens to it avidly. So I don't know. I think people, if they really took the time to listen to the Bible, it would be a, a wisening, opening situation to, to really understand what Christianity is about and what the historicity of Christianity and, and Judaism is really about, and do it in a way that you can really enjoy it, either with the dramatized version, actors and sound effects, or just the narrated version. It's, it's an eye-opening situation. Well, it's uh, my hope that maybe uh, 
uh, this little discussion that you and I have had on the Beliefs podcast uh, may have stimulated some people to think about that very subject. Uh, Stephen Johnston, uh, thank you for being with us. I've really enjoyed this. Hey, thank you, Bill. I appreciate it too. And, uh, and God bless you and everybody who's listening. Our guest was Bible narrator Stephen Johnston. The conversation continues on our Facebook page, and we tweet at Beliefs Podcast. If you like our program, come review us on iTunes. Beliefs is brought to you with the support of the Bernard L. Schwartz Center for Media, Public Policy, and Education at the Graduate School of Education at Fordham University. Jay Woodward is my producer. The theme music is by Edward Billis. I'm Bill Baker. Thank you for listening.